Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th and remember, we all flourish with joy. It's 10.15 on Saturday morning. You're with Maka and Paul on Saturday Magazine. Maka, who's our first guest? Our first guest is uh, the member for Oakley and uh, Steve Demopoulos. But Steve is, I call him the Minister for Fun, but he's actually Minister for Environment, Tourism, Sport, Major Events, Outdoor Recreation. Have you got any others, Steve? Uh, No. (laughs) Why not? Good morning to both of you. How are you? Good morning, Steve. Good, Steve Demopoulos. Good, good morning. morning. Otherwise known as Dimo. Now, Dimo, last night uh, I wasn't able to be there, but the Australian Open uh, had, uh, a, I suppose, a, a pre-event launch of their Pride activities. Tell us about it and who was there. I mean, I know you were there, and that's that's great. Yeah. Tell us so about you walk it. in. You walk in and um, it just uh, it looks permanent, but it's a uh, you know um, temporary structure, double story, there's a balcony, um, it's a bar, it's a, a function space, it's beautiful, and it's right on one of the courts. Literally, wow. if you leant over, if you leant over, you could virtually um, uh, touch the court. Uh, so it's not only a practice court, but it's actually a game court. And that venue will be open the entire tournament for anyone just with a grand pass. You don't need anything more special than a grand pass. So it's really lovely of them to to provide that opportunity to every Victorian and every visitor. But you walk in there, there was just so much colour, rainbow colours everywhere. There was music. There were, you know, um, just it was just packed full of people. It was gorgeous. And um, I had Ian Roberts, um, the oh. former rugby league player, um, the biggest arms I've seen on a guy for a long, long time. He is the loveliest thing. <laughs> <laughs> like it was, uh, he obviously still stays very fit. And he was there with his uh, with his partner um, Dan, and he spoke. I spoke, and uh, a couple of tennis Australia people spoken. And, and Nick, uh, uh, sort of, is a sports gay sports journal who covers um, Wimbledon, uh, Flushing Meadows, and here he comes every year. But Ian. He spoke so beautifully. He, can I just say, you should get him on the program, but there was one comment he made about, um, and I reckon a lot of us can identify with this, uh, or many of us. He said, I grew up, and I don't want to misrepresent my family because they're beautiful, but I grew up in a homophobic and misogynist family that, that was loving as well. And I thought, yeah, I can identify with mm. many of us. You can be both, mm. actually, for, for a time, you know. And then, but the journey of his father to finish that off, it's much more much more complex than this. But um, he then, one day his dad had an interview. His dad passed away eight years ago, but had an interview with the media. And they said, you must be very proud of your son. Uh, he goes, I'm proud of all my children equally, but I'm really, really um, happy that I was gifted a gay son so I can see the world as it truly is. That's Isn't beautiful. That Isn't that, I mean, Steve, that is, you know, all the work that we do, all the advocacy that we do, all the, the reaching out to different people in different communities. But eventually, you know, it's like politics. All politics is local. And, you know, with your family, that is where often the hardest journey starts, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. 
And most, but the most rewarding sometimes, isn't it? Yeah. It's almost coming home if you can, if you can possibly do that, coming home back to your, your family. But he spoke so beautifully. And so did Irina, where, where the uh, person in charge of inclusion and yes. diversity at, um, um, at uh, it's, it's beautiful, beautiful. And I've got, I've got the actual glam slam though on the 25th. I've never checked the website, but that's still another opportunity for uh, our community to go and actually watch. Apparently it's the biggest. Um, queer uh, tennis tournament. Yeah, globally. And I think Steve, one of the, I, I was there last year, and I remember Billie Jean King um, was, was talking oh, as well man. at the Glam Slam, but talking about how this event in Melbourne is changing the, the face of inclusivity in tennis. And you know, Melbourne is the streets ahead in having the Glam Slam mm. and Pride events. And you know, the the other big tournaments are you know are chasing to catch us up. Yeah, I love that, and I think. Because you can't, if you just had a sport, whether it be, you know, the state of origin or tennis or Grand Prix, that was just exactly the same in every city it was held, what would be the value of that? It's got to be infused with the values of the city that it's held in or the town it's held in. And I reckon we do that well, both with the Grand Prix and, and, and uh, the Grand Slam. But yeah, like, and it, he's also, I, I want to do a little pitch even though it's another city, it's the second best city, uh, maybe. Uh, he's setting up a um, queer museum. Yes, in, in Sydney, uh, yeah. In Sydney. And it's opening late Feb, I think. Uh, it's called Qtopia. Um, and he's, um, he's a lovely guy. Anyway, he's, he's awesome. Just imagine, Steve, and, and you don't actually have to comment on this, but just imagine, yeah, a, a queer museum is fantastic. Just imagine if New South Wales had the same legislative framework on equality that Victoria does. Yeah. Just think about that. Think, our listeners, think about that. New South Wales is actually so far behind Victoria in this space, which actually is a nice segue for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to ask you, because we asked you previously, and I just wanted a bit of an update. Uh, vilification law. Uh, Attorney General Jacqueline Symes has been working away on this along with a whole lot of folk in her department, a whole lot of engagement, as has Harriet Shing, uh, Minister for Equality, and yourself. Where are we at? Yeah, so uh, uh, I've spoken to uh, Jacqueline recently, and she's obviously the Attorney General, and Harriet, the Minister for Equality, as you said. Where, so, so just to remind the listeners that, so effectively the, the premise was to adapt to change the Russian Religious Tolerance Act to pick up additional attributes, so attributes that um, uh, impact or that our community is characterised by, um, and uh, doing that in a way that's actually uh, has, has an effective uh, remedy, uh, civil and criminal remedy for um, uh, impacts that we, we our community suffers. Now, it's a, it's a comp. I mean, uh, it's going to sound like a lot, but it's not. It is actually complex because you, you basically want to uh, do um, uh, reduce or do away with the harm and have uh, that our community has, has faced face to face, and have the appropriate remedies and ones that are easily able to be accessed, but also do it while respecting. Uh, you know, freedom of speech, mm. um, and the two are, the two can coexist absolutely. So, um, Jack Jacqueline is now engaging with our community as of this first few months of this year. You know, in the second sort of stage of more intense consultation, the aspiration is to get legislation before the parliament uh, in the, in early in the second half of this year. So, around mid mid okay. uh, year this year. All right, that's that's good. Uh... 
would have preferred it sooner, but <clears throat> you know, you know that I'm ambitious. Um, yeah. <laughs> restless dis- dissatisfaction. <laughs> Me, Harriet, and Jack should come on your program. Yeah, and no, I, I don't that's know who would get a wording, wording edgewise, Micah. <laughs> well, know. no, I just have to surrender the microphone because, yeah, literally, <laughs> but between Jacqueline, Harriet, and yourself, Paul and I could just leave the studio. I beg your pardon. So you reckon I speak fourth and Harriet? Yeah, maybe I do. Oh, look, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to. Far be it from us to say anything, I'm, Steve. I'm not going <laughs> to comment on that. Now, we have a, a question from a listener, just a little bit of lightness. And again, I give you permission not to answer this. I think this. you need to temper the question, Max, just slightly. It's, can you ask Steve who – no, I'm not going to temper it because how he answers, it's up to him. Can you please ask Steve who he thinks is the hottest player in this year's Open? Oh, man. <clears throat> um, that's a bit dangerous. But, um, <clears throat> my husband, if he was playing, would be the hottest. But I think <clears throat> uh, oh, I, 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 I can't escape uh, choosing an Australian. I, choosing the Australian, um, and the one who's just joined the top 10 globally this week. So I reckon Alex yeah. is probably my... Sensible, sensible answer. Yeah, sens- sensible answer. Very patriotic. <laughs> um, <laughs> you two are leading me to dangerous territory, or you and your listener are. Well, yeah, but look... Thank you, know. 317, for that question. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask Steve, so we look at, you know... You are Minister for Tourism, for Sport, major events and outdoor recreation. So the Australian Open is all of that. You know, the amount of tourism it brings in. You know, it is a major, major event. And a lot of the activity that's happening there, you know, at, at da- down there, you know, in that precinct, is about outdoor recreation. Um, yeah. How does it feel, so you, you know, like to actually be the Minister that, that has carriage of these. Now, I know, you know, they're independent boards and all that, but, I mean, yeah. it must feel pretty yeah. bloody good. It, it, it does. But can I just say, it feels a little bit like it would, I ran it for you too. Um, you know there's an institution and an organisation with a, a heritage and a pedigree and um, a future far bigger than yourselves. That's Joy FM. Um, and I feel similarly with these events, whether it be the Grand Prix or this or everything else I do in the environment space. We, and I, I say this, I say, unless you're in these jobs, uh, guys, you don't sort of uh, get the, the, the language is powerful. When someone says you feel privileged yeah. and you're a custodian, it's actually true. Mm. So what mm. I'm, I feel privileged and a custodian because these people, these organisations do outstanding work. Our job is to not interfere but actually get involved when it matters yeah. and uh, shift them needle when it matters, when they need assistance or we need strategic direction. They are incredible. I, I feel, I've got to tell you, when I got the call from Dan, um, 20 odd months ago saying tourism sport major events and then creative industries I was like blown away and then when I got the call from Jacinta uh, saying I get to keep tourism sport major events um, I yes. was blown away a second time so um, I would never look at gear force and now so I just kept kept on walking on thinking yeah that's perfect that's a win and environment act incredible outdoor recreation is also amazing so the fishing uh, stuff is huge in this state. Um, uh, boating, um, you know, four-wheel driving, mountain bike riding, rock climbing. It's stuff. We have 3% of the Australian landmass. Yes. 3%. And we have some of the best, and genuinely the best, have rated internationally by other people, not me, uh, outdoor recreation activities and natural landscapes in this small state. We're going to... 
We're going to go to a break, but I'll, I'll take this as a comment. I wouldn't categorise duck shooting as outdoor recreation, certainly not for the <laughs> duck. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, don't answer that, Steve. You're on yeah. Saturday Magazine. Stay Matt with us. Paul, we're talking to Steve Zamoffers. We'll be right back. Stay with us. You are on Saturday Magazine on Joy 94.9 with Macca and Paul. And who are we speaking to, Paul? We're talking to Steve Demopoulos. Demo. Minister for Fun. Minister for Fun. Um <laughs> Steve, can we, we get a bit more serious? Now, something, it, it's a bit of a dry topic, but recycling is, is vitally important. And Victoria's recently uh, signed up to the container deposit scheme. Um, yeah. Just, how, just how, try and unpack that for people, because, yeah, what, is it, what does that actually mean? Yeah. yeah, excellent. So I'm glad you asked. It's actually, I love it. I think it's a, a really cool project. So effectively, um, about 30,000 container types. So I'm talking about, you know, the, Pet bottles, I call them pet bottles, the 600ml Coke or Sprite or those ones, little plastic orange, uh, cardboardish kind of orange uh, cartons, um, uh, glass, any kind of drinks you basically have on the go, uh, even the bigger 1.25 litre, wherever the, they are, all those things um, are now recyclable. And this is the meaning of it. So literally, you go and recycle them um, and you get 10 cents back for every bottle. Um, and then what happens is uh, you effectively uh, promote a cleaner raw material base for recyclers. So you could have the same piece of plastic or glass or aluminium, which is most, uh, 58%, 53% of all the ones recycled the last two and a half months were aluminium. All those things stay in the system. So you don't feel, you don't feel like you're actually um, degrading the environment by having these anymore. Uh, you actually uh, you contribute to a full cycle mm. product stewardship scheme, which means the same piece of plastic or glass keeps circulating in the consumer market for years on end. It's absolutely extraordinary. And I've got to say, how people have taken it up um, is 124 million containers in literally less than two and a half months. We started on the wow. 1st of November. Up until three, four days ago, it was about Tuesday this week, it was 124 million. Wow. Um, the biggest week we had was 17 million the week before Christmas. Oh, sorry, the week before New Year, 17 million. So the, the meaning of it for me, apart from the fact that there's been $12 million returned to Victorians' pockets or charity partners, a lot of the charity, about 1,600 charity partners. So you go to the machine, if it's a machine when you go to, you can go to the, at the counter, you pick the charity partner. So it could be Royal Children's Hospital, it could be, join 94.9 it could be any charity partner sports club but the, the beauty for me is there's the expectation and the projections for us is that we would um, remove one billion billion with a b yeah. containers from the streets of victoria from the parks from the rivers because people incentivize it's just it's and the figures are really stacking up if we got 17 million a week yeah um, We'd be at about nine hundred million, so close to billion. And, that, and, that's just, that's and that was just from, and that was just from Paul's post Christmas <laughs> celebration. That is that is an that's an astounding an astounding start to the scheme, Steve. That it, that is a phenomenal take up rate. And, and I mean, Steve, the other thing is that and look, I actually got eight dollars ten. Oh wow! From yeah, but how much sparking water is that, Macca? Yeah, but it, it's it's. It's actually, it's good for the environment. You know, it's yeah. good It's good for, you know, keeping all the stuff out of, out of rivers and whatever. But, you know, it's also a good thing to do, you know, that people actually yeah. want to do it. 
Um, yes, we've got one here. You know, little Jason in Heidelberg says, "I've taken I've taken three large garbage bags to the recycle and got about forty eight dollars." Um, wow. wow, better off in my that, bag than on. It's also all cultural. Like, can you imagine raising a generation of Victorians who, for that, for them, it's uh, perverse and abnormal uh, not to recycle the containers they're drinking from. Yeah, this is just it's, culturally, it's going to be really, really powerful. And I think uh, the um, one of the the, uh, the recyclers said to me the other day at this media event, um, we get cleaner. Uh, raw material base for our recycling, which means more stays in the system rather than gets discarded to the landfill. And the reason for that is when you go to those machines or over the counter, at that very point, they separate uh, aluminium and yes. plastic and glass, mm. as opposed to the, um, and I no problem with the curbside, and we're moving to four bins in a few years, but uh, at the moment they're all going to one and it's contaminated, you know, so it's harder to, to uh, sort them. So this is for all those reasons, it's excellent. I've got where I live, I've got one of those glass bins, which is every two weeks, and you know it's it's six units. I'm actually amazed because I didn't notice it before when it went in the other recycling. Right now, in the purple littered bin, it's actually extraordinary. And what used to happen with the other recycling was it then contaminated the other recycling, didn't it? And the glass would get yeah. broken and, mm. you know, so there was a lot of... Well, there's, an, there's an extra process layer to go through and do the yeah. separation. This is a great idea to, to actually separate it at source. And I, yeah. want, I wanted to ask, Steve, so in terms of what sort of growth do you see there? Do we have a handful, a handle on how many containers are sold and how many are being recycled? That's a, that's a really good point. I've, um, I don't have that to hand, but that the, the the absolute aspiration would be that everything that gets consumed mm. in Victoria is recycled. Now, the, 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 you don't get the market, the supply and demand exactly on uh, to fit each other. So what you might end up doing is, um, uh, if there's a gap, uh, providing that raw materials to other states. Yeah. Um, so, for example, I'll give you one quick example. Uh, Tanya Plibersek and I um, were out three weeks ago at a, um, Altona, a site in Altona, a new site at Schmickers, as you could be, it's a, it's a recycling facility um, run by a couple of beverage companies. So it's incredible how beverage companies have come a long way in the last 10 years or so. They're actually now running their own recycling business, and we support it by state and federal with a bit of seeding money. That facility, when it's fully up and running in about 12 months, will have the capacity, just that one nail tunnel alone, to recycle one billion wow. containers. Phenomenal. And if, we, if our aspiration for the whole system of Victoria is to um, recycle, sorry, to, to bring in or return a billion, then we've covered just that site. Our tunnel, so imagine all these other recycling facilities. It was one in Albury. So we have, I reckon we've got a lot of capacity, more than probably the demand of the Victorian uh, consumer, but we'll see. And, of course, you know, people, you know, you've paid the 10 cent, deposit on the item and there's no greater in you know so to get that 10 cents back you've got to recycle it in that way so you know at the end of the day it you know it does encourage people to do the right thing yep. for a whole range hmm. a whole range of reasons and, and it's the changing behaviors i think you know that incentive incentive there's got to be there because it actually makes people act differently where are we at steve 
with the soft plastics, you know, that we used to return to the <laughs> the supermarket yeah. and, and then they were, you know, they ended up with the, the great wall of soft plastic in a couple of suburbs yeah. around or places around Australia. Where are we at with that? I know Tanya Publisek's been doing a lot of work there. Is that is that going to be starting again soon? Yeah, well, I don't know about soon, but um, two, two quick points on that. One is... Yes, it is the federal government because it was a national issue. That was yeah. such an awful situation. Yeah. But there's there's a national a national um, kind of delving into it to try and find a solution. And I, I think it's close, but I haven't got the most late, late, latest briefing. But can I just tell you the second part, which yep. is for me the the more exciting part? We had a, a meeting with all the um, environment ministers uh, the other week, and it was Tanya and <clears throat> bunch of us in the states. And, and uh, one of the things we did in that meeting was uh, agree to uh, uniformly pass legislation to regulate um, packaging. So the problem is, the, the biggest problem we've always faced, and we've started changing this, is we have the production of packaging because, you know, it comes over, from overseas, if it's an import of TV or whatever it is or other things, um, even B2B uh, kind of products. And then we have to decide what to do with the packaging yes. once it's here. Or once the produced it. Whereas, what about actually at the design stage, at the manufacturing yeah. stage? You say to say to them, "Hang on a minute, let's do this in a way that is either reusable or limit limited uh, to trying to be to landfill, if any at all." So we've now passed. We're about to pass legislation uniformly across the country to regulate um, uh, the stewardship of packaging and uh, from the design stage. That would be a true um, uh, circular economy because. You don't at the very at the, the, the draftsman stage. You start talking about actually, do we need this extra packaging, or can we develop this type of packaging which is biodegradable? Blah blah blah. All that other stuff which is significant. We don't end up with soft plastic mm. problems when we put it that way. Yeah. Um, Steve, well, I'm going to change up the topics. We're going to go from the uh, the environment back to the creative industries. Um, we've had a message coming from Gav that says, "Where are we at with ABBA Voyage coming to Melbourne? Do you have any updates for us on that?" Um, <clears throat> Paul, I feel far more affectionate <laughs> towards Joy uh, 94.9 than I do to other media outlets, and uh, <laughs> and uh, maybe and I, I, I'll say that I, I don't I don't care if they ask me. I, it's the truth. Um, but um, on this occasion, I was asked about this two weeks ago when I was with the Premier at uh, Matildas. We were basically announcing that the Matildas were going to play Uzbekistan in um, in Melbourne as an Olympic qualifier. Anyway, and they said, oh, Minister, um, is it true that you've met with uh, <clears throat> Abba Voyage and where are we at with it? And I said, um, oh, Jesus, I, the punchline, I've forgotten the punchline. <laughs> I, no. I said, knowing me, knowing you... Um, I'm going to disappoint you by not telling you uh, the private conversations with, we have with uh, license holders, any one of number of them. The problem is because if I tell you yes or no on this, um, some other state's going to say, oh, Victoria is going or not going for it, we'll go for it. So all I can, all I can say to you is um, uh, it's a great product um, and uh, we're looking at a bunch of different stuff. Well, you can imagine Sorry that the, the listeners to this radio station above any other radio station in Melbourne would be interested in ABBA. Um, so I think, you know, <laughs> the, se the sequins and the flares and the, 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 the music will, will need to come home at some point. That's so true. How about, how about this? How about this? If there's any, anything I need to say about sequins, I'll come to you first. Fantastic. That would be Fantastic. amazing. Well, we are on a voyage and let's just hope we end up at ABBA. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Really, really quickly, Steve, as I said, all politics is local. And there's an article in, um, in The Age today, and, you know, being the member for Oakley, um, mm. and it's talking about Oakley and Clayton and, you know, really how once it was, you know, outer suburbs, it's, it's not anymore. And how the area is developed, and I'm not just talking about cake shops. Um, tell us, as which of course are fantastic, but tell us about, you know, that's that's your local area. You're the local member. Um, tell us how it's changing, and what you like about that. Yeah, it was a great article actually. Um, it, I, I've lived in Oakley, or lived and been around Oakley for uh, close to fifty years. Crazy, and um, it sort of creeps up on you the changes. You almost don't realise it because there's enough that stays the same over time. And by the time you look around, you think, oh wow, that's changed. That's changed. You don't get the sense of it daily or weekly or yearly even. What I love about it though is that. While it, 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 sounds, it sounds a bit um, uh, kind of uh, I don't know, uh, cute, but what, while different people have come in, and I'm talking different nationalities, different businesses, um, something has stayed the same about the kind of village atmosphere. It's like mm. a, it, it truly is like a village. <clears throat> so whether it be the Chinese grocer who's joined the the fray of businesses, um, you know, the kind of more modern uh, kind of businesses that are up for the yuppies or um, coffee shops or Thai restaurants. So it's not just Greek business, but predominantly Greek businesses. There's some kind of a village feel to Oakley where people literally walk down the street, whether it be Chester, Portman or Eaton Mall, and you'll find somebody who will say something. You know that, that kind of public domain where someone will comment on the weather to a complete stranger? Yes. Or will, um, there'll be public conversation, uh, there'll be loud conversations between two people at a table and the pe- person walking by will just start contributing to it. That's Oakley, and so whether it be the Italians or the Greeks or the Chinese or anyone else, that's the thing I love about that place. It actually has maintained a sense of connection and community because I think the pedestrianised more matters. You know, when there's no cars and people just interact face to face, more people walking, more people chance to have a conversation with their members, their their neighbours. I love that part of Oakley. And you know, it's important. You know, there's. I haven't uh, been there, but I know people that that do. You know things like, you know, some of the the supermarkets, um, and what they're the range of products that they're offering, but the engagement with the community, and of course they only stock products that people buy. Like at the end of the day, so yeah. how? Maka, can I? Yeah. love you to come to me. No, seriously, because on a Friday or Thursday, Friday or Saturday. To walk into any one of there's a, there's a number of different markets. There's a one that I one of the ones I love, which goes from one street to the other, effectively under a car park almost. Um, and you've got the nut shop, you've got the fruit and veg shop, you've got the fish shop. It is like doing the South Melbourne market in a miniature way. Um, and there's a, a couple of different places you can go in Oakley, and you will get a cultural experience. And then we'll go and have a, a, a cake and a coffee. Uh, I would love that. You, yep. I can't believe you said you've not been to Oakley. Come on, mate. We've got to go together. <laughs> oh, look, I haven't, I, haven't, I haven't for a while, but there you go. Look, that's... He'll uh, do anything for a piece of cake, though, Oh, a piece, piece of cake and a, and a, and a, and a <laughs> coffee. There's a particular Greek one that I think you'd love. I'll introduce you to it when we get there. Cool. But, Steve, I think what you're describing, you know, is, is real, genuine community. And yeah. I think once you actually get to see the whites of your fellow community members, then things like crime actually drops yes. and there's a cohesion that, you know, is difficult to try and pull together. So I 
think what you're describing in Oakley's Change is the fact, actually, they've regained some of that, you know, human connection. So true, Paul. I, I, I love that you say that when you see the wife in your, the, the, your fellow man's eyes or fellow person's eyes, it changes a lot. It really does. That's why we're more horrible to each other on social media than we are in person. It's yeah. really hard to be horrible to another human being in person. Face to face. It can happen, of course, right? Yeah. But it's, it's, it's <laughs> harder. We're, so true. We're just about, we are out of time, uh, Steve, but for our listeners. Like, can I put one more plug in? Oakley go on. is incredible. Come down. Come, seriously, come down and have an. There are actually tours, there are actually food tours, but you know, you don't need one. Just come down, walk down the street, and sit down at any place that takes your fancy and the best place that people watch. Great. Jimmo, thank you. And for our listeners, uh, when there is an announcement to be made about <laughs> ABBA Voyage, it will be made... You're going to hear it here first. It will be made here on Joy 94.9 by the Minister for Tourism, Sport, <laughs> there Major was, Events, there was, Outdoor Recreation, Environment, Having Fun. Steve, there was, there was what Mesh is saying coming in. When you make the announcement, please can you dress up as a member of the ABBA team? <laughs> so I'm not sure that's, that's a request too far, but I think the, uh, the incentive is there. <laughs> <laughs> Love you both. Thank Thanks, you so Steve. Much. Thanks, Thank you. Steve. You are on Saturday Magazine Joy 94.9 with Macker and Paul. Stay with us. There's more. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy. Joy.